it's God first, other second, yourself third. The unique and cool thing about it is if you have that perspective, it comes back around to benefit you. Presents the pursuit. Go inside the locker room as Iwu Hoops trades the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. Welcome to season five of the pursuit. I'm Jeff Clark, one of the basketball coaches at Indiana Wesley. The 2019-2020 season was one that was unprecedented in IW Hoops history. The team set out on a vision to live and play unconsciously being free from self by putting God first and others second. After starting the regular season and the conference season with losses, it went on to win its final nine games by an average of 25 points, scoring over 100 points per game in that final stretch. Along the way, the team experienced game-winning shots, deep moments of disappointment, and unparalleled growth and transformation, all in the chase for the program's fourth national championship. The season ended with unique disappointment, as it was canceled while the team was at the arena in Sioux Falls, South Dakota on the day of their first national tournament game. Over the next 20 episodes, we will take you inside the team's efforts to trade the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. In today's episode, we'll hear from Coach Greg Tonegal about his yearly intentionality of seeking vision from God for the upcoming year, and how he went into the new season looking to lead the team to live and play unconscious. In the second half, Returning leaders Kane and Coffee, Trevor Harrell, and Kyle Mangus will discuss how they began to lay the foundation of leadership for the team as the new year began. We're joined now by Coach Greg Tonegal. And Coach, listeners who have been following along through our first several seasons know you get to the end of a year and you intentionally move on to say, what, God, what do you have for next season? So let's rewind back to, to last year. We're coming off the loss of Oregon Tech. We know we have a new team coming in. Where do you start as you seek vision for the next year? Well, <clears throat> I think all of us spend on the, in the staff spend a lot of time just praying uh, for our, for our team and and just begin to ask and listen. I think for me the challenge is uh, you know can prayer be more about listening than, than talking and it's usually not that way for me. But I'm but I'm learning to listen because I really feel like God knows my team a lot better than I do and he and he's got a, a vision for them. And at the end of the day, I think. We, we have a core conviction that God's voice is, is one of the greatest assets that we have in our program. The fact that we can access what he would say to us is a huge competitive advantage. And as coaches, we're always looking for competitive advantages. So why would we not begin to listen and tap into that voice? Every leader, secular faith talks about vision. But I hear you talking about I am third vision, vision where you truly put God first. What does it look like to really try to get a word from him for the group you lead? So one of the one of the ways I understand it is this idea that what we really want is insight. What we often look for is sight. So we want things we can put our, our hands and our eyes on. We can touch. We can feel. It's very safe. It's very controlling. But at the end of the day, what, what we need is insight, which is which is really information that comes not from ourselves, not from what we know, but from, from God himself. And the way I liken that is, is to a great point guard. The greatest point guards always see the floor and, and make passes before you and I even could recognize them. And, uh, you know, growing up, I was able to see a little bit of Magic Johnson's career, then John Stockton, now LeBron. I mean, those guys would make passes and everybody would say, well, how did they see that? Well, the reality is they didn't really see it. They just perceived it and they knew it was coming 
So they had insight into how the play was going to develop in a way that you and I didn't. And I think spiritually speaking, that's what we're looking for as leaders. How do we have, how do we perceive things that have not yet developed, but yet God is telling us it's coming or God is telling us how to prepare, how to lead. And how do we allow that to then form a vision for our players? One of the greatest joys in coaching in leading is, is pursuing God in prayer and the word, getting a word from him and then seeing it come to life over the course of a, a game or a season so just as you talk through this, I have the question, what's the difference between a man-made vision and a God-given word, and how do you discern the difference? So Pastor Steve Deneff, I think over the years, has talked a lot about this, but vision is often based in control. It's, it's very autonomous, meaning uh, it's an individual thing. You know, I, I think we should move in this direction, or I think you ought to act like that as opposed to discernment, which is very spirit led. It's, this is what God is telling me. This is, this is what I'm perceiving God to be doing and, and how I want to act uh, if I follow in obedience to the Holy Spirit. And when we, when we act in discernment, I think the vision is greater. The vision is, is, is far deeper for our players, but that takes a lot of listening. <laughs> that takes a lot of seeking. That, that takes a lot of work on the front end. Uh, but if we're willing to do it, man, I think the potential far outweighs the other way. And often we see the story of our season comes in hearing a, a word given from God and then seeing that come to life in the team. I think of Fearless a couple years ago being the greatest and most well-known example of that. This year, you kind of went before us as a staff and the team and said, we want to become unconscious as a team. Can you go back to that time and say, where did that come from and what, what did it mean? Well, if you think about your, your greatest athletic achievement, uh, you know, whether that was you, you, you made 10 threes in a row or, you know, you're on you're golfing and every shot, man, you just were hitting the sweet spot. It was that moment where you weren't thinking you were just playing and you were you were really achieving unbelievable results. And, and most of us would say, man, we were just unconscious in that moment. You know, we weren't proactively thinking through each and every step. And, and so I began to think about, you know, those athletic moments. And the idea was that our greatest athletic moments often were moments of, of unconscious play. But then begin to relate that spiritually, thinking about, man, my, my, my greatest spiritual moments when I was walking most closely to the Lord is when I was spiritually unconscious. I, I wasn't concerned about what other people were thinking. And I wasn't really even concerned about uh, critiquing and judging myself. And it was right around that time as I was having those thoughts, somebody shared a book with me by Tim Keller called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. And it really was right, right along these lines about how uh, there's this freedom that, that exists when we as people um, stop critically evaluating everything we do and begin to lean into just being led by the Spirit. And so we were able to take that and uh, read it, digest it, pray it, and then kind of cast that over our season. And there was this passage of scripture where Paul writes, I think that was very foundational for you and gave you a vision of, of what might be in coaching this year. Yeah, in Corinthians, Paul was just talking about, you know, he, he got to a point in his own life where he didn't care what other people said about himself and he didn't even care what uh, he said about himself or he judged himself. And I just realized personally how many of my decisions um, were persuaded by the opinions of others or my mood, you know, like. We'd lose a game. Somebody would critique coaching, and I was really affected by that. Or uh, very self-critical. Um, I can critique myself to, to the best of anybody, and oftentimes that would rob me of joy. And as I was reading and praying about Paul, he just found this sweet spot where he didn't do those either of those things, and there was a sense of freedom there. And it just kind of put me on a journey. Like 
man, in this next season, this is where God wants me to grow. So there's this moment where you're saying as a leader, you know, I personally have to grow in this direction. But at the same time, I have to lead others in that direction as well. So as you transition from May into June, as guys came back, what did that look like for you to pursue that, but then also to start just pushing your players and staff in that direction as well? Well, as you know, you can't um, take anybody to a place you haven't gone yourself. And so uh, I just knew it was going to be important that if we, were, if we wanted our players to, to grow in this concept of unconsciousness, we were going to have to go there first. And so we began to pray and uh, just read and discern as a staff. And by the time we were able to present it to our players, God had already done a work in our lives. And so much of what we were sharing with our players, once again, wasn't informative, wasn't just solely based upon information, but really was about the transformation that had taken place in our lives. And I think they were able to, to grasp that more. And, and once they saw that, uh, many of them wanted that to happen in their own lives. It's going to be fun for listeners to, to hear how this came to life, not in a moment, not without ups and downs, but throughout the season and how at the end of the year, we maybe were playing more unconsciously than we ever have as a program. And, and this word from God actually played out on the court. How do you think that happens? How does this word from the spirit actually come to life in the thing that we do? Yeah, I think you, you nailed it. We we really saw that come to life towards the end of the year. And uh, it's a combination of a lot of things. It's it's slow. Uh, I think a lot of times we want things like to, to turn around quickly. And as you know, we jumped into conference, not playing unconscious by any means, but staying the course, seeking God, following him. We eventually uh, begin to see it happen. And some things take time. And I think spiritual growth is one of those things. We often want the quick fix. I mean, you go to the uh, the leadership section in any bookstore and it's here's here's five quick things to do that's going to change your life by tomorrow. And uh, you know, here's 20 minutes a day that is going to revolutionize the way you live. And, and those things are good maybe in their own time. But the reality is uh, spiritual growth is, is sometimes slow, sometimes takes time, but is well worth it. And it's lasting. Coach, I know there's leaders, coaches out there right now who are saying, uh, this sounds great, but I don't even know where to start. How would I go to the word and in prayer and, and discern something for my team? How would you encourage that coach that's wondering that right now? I once once again would just say begin by listening. Um, I think we've taught leaders. We're good at teaching leaders how to cast vision, how to speak boldly, communicate, but we haven't taught them how to listen. And if you'll quiet your, yourself, I think you'll be surprised at, at what God would say to you. I think he's always speaking, but I think we're rarely listening and hearing. So as you start there, once you get something, be bold enough to share it. Go share it with a friend. Go share it with a uh, an assistant coach. And Begin to then pray that word. How might that come true in your own coaching context? Hopefully those who are, who are paying attention to this season will listen to how this word comes to life throughout the year. And when we come back, we're going to transition to the seniors and, and Kyle Mangus, the leaders of the team, and really hear how they took this word, how they moved into June, and they started to implement it amongst the team. This podcast was created to take you behind the scenes of building an I Am Third culture and a basketball program. But IW Hoops believes this philosophy can translate to any context. As we enter this one-minute halftime, we want to let you hear from our sponsor, Insurance Management Group, who is building a culture of IM Third in the insurance industry right here in Indiana. Here's IMG President Trent Daly. Pursuing the IM Third lifestyle has helped me grow as a leader in all aspects of life. Putting God first, my colleagues and customers second, and myself third has impacted IMG in ways I couldn't have imagined. 
At IMG, we have a passion for people and helping them achieve their goals. We are not just an insurance agency. We are a culture and an experience. You should expect more from your insurance agent. Visit us now at www.insmgt.com. Now back to the second half. Welcome back to the second half. We're joined by seniors Cannon Coffee and Trevor Harrell and junior Kyle Mangus. Really the guys who had been part of the program and were taking on uh, leadership coming off of last season. I want to start with you seniors. Uh, coming off the loss to Oregon Tech, moving into your senior year, what were your dreams for this season? Kanan, you, you'd been here already three years. What were you hoping to see happen? So I think I think a lot, after each year, um, you know, if it doesn't end the way we want to, we just kind of come back and we want to be more motivated and, um, you know, just stay hungry and, and want to keep pursuing, um, you know, pursue sex, success the right way. And so um, last year's team, by our junior year, uh, it was kind of a disappointing end of the season. I think we had a lot of really big goals and, and dreams for that year, and, and we really felt like we were going to accomplish them. And um, when we fell short, um, it just kind of was shocking, honestly, for us because we felt like we had put in the work and um, really dedicated uh, time, and, and we, we pursued it the right way. And um, to have it short was was a bit disappointing, but um, I think the way it ended kind of left us um, determined to come back and. Um, come back this next year, our final year, um, with kind of a lot of firepower and um, a lot of hunger and just um, the desire to just get back to where we were last year and um, even go farther this year. So, um, yeah, we, we had some pretty big dreams uh, coming off last year and um, a desire to get back to that national tournament. Trevor, talk a little bit about the urgency of being a senior. You know, this is your last time to go through. What was going through your mind at that time? Yeah, so I think we we lost uh, some some big leaders and uh, Joel, Trevor, and, and Evan. Um, I, I look up to Joel a lot in terms of like uh, being able to push through fatigue and um, you know pushing through anything that comes into or any obstacle that comes into mind. Um, I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to fill that void because I know a lot of guys looked up to Joel because he was just a machine. Um, so I whether that be like in the weight room or conditioning or practice or whatever. I want to be that guy uh, and give people that extra juice that Joel provided for us every single day. And, and you bring up a great point about just the legacy of leadership in this program and how it gets passed down. And one of the fun things is to watch guys emerge in their personalities and passion and leadership. So, Kanan, let's start with you. You're, you were a three-year player in this program. You've seen a lot of leaders go through. What did you learn from the past guys that was positioning you for leadership? I, I think there's something different I could take away from each year um, from the group of seniors ahead of me. And I think at the end of the day, one of the biggest things that I was able to see is one of the biggest roles for a leader is to unite a team and to bring them together. And so um, I think the teams I think of that were um, the most fun to be on were the teams where everybody was included and everybody felt like they were a part of it. Um, and so I think, you know, initially my mind thinks of guys like, you know, Aaron Murray and Ben Carlson and JJ and Trevor Waite and all these guys who are really just made it, just were really intentional about forming strong relationships with each guy on the team as a way to bring the team together. And so that was something that I really wanted to take into this year and, um, you know, use my position um, to bring others along and to grow others. And, um, and yeah, so that was kind of my mentality is, is what can I sacrifice so that 
know, others can benefit from it. And um, a lot of that is just attributed to the guys who came before me. I love how you use the word sacrifice there because I think one of the things we see as guys go through the program is it moves from, you know, how can I work hard enough for me to how can I grow and self-improve to finally how can I die to myself to elevate other people? And that's really the, the uh, model that we see in Christ and his leadership. So Kyle, as you took that and, and you've grown in it over two years, you've learned some from, from some phenomenal leaders, and then you go into June, what's it like to try to lead a team with new guys, freshmen, transfers, and get everybody to come together and be on the same page? Yeah, well, uh, years, it was cool to see how the leaders would unify a team every year because um, each year those leaders have their own lead through um, and um, through hard work, passion, and then like guys like Jacob Johnson would lead through like their own experiences that they had um, and obstacles they overcame so they could just relate to their teammates. So Coming into like June, there's transfers, there's freshmen, um, there's returners. So you have to try to find ways to uh, unite those guys because um, everyone's coming from different different backgrounds, you know. And that month of June is huge for a team because uh, it allows us kind of to get a head start um, as a team coming in early before the school starts. We all get to know each other. Guys um, who have been on different teams. Uh, guys who are coming in as freshmen um, just for them to get acquainted with how our program works because obviously culture is huge for um, IWU so um, as guys get they start to feel more comfortable and that really helps us in the, in the long run um, obviously just team chemistry so um, that was kind of my first little taste of leadership and um, yeah it was, it was pretty cool Kanan can, can I ask you a follow-up on that? So much of trust and credibility is established in that month. So as you were going through it, knowing got, the new guys are coming in having no idea what to really expect in terms of the work ethic, the level of difficulty of the work, the demands of time, but also what does it even look like to die to yourself? What were you intentionally trying to do in that month to set the stage for leadership for the year? Yeah, in that month, I think, one of the things that really kind of stuck out to me was we, we did have a lot of new faces this year and um, it, was, it was a pretty new team. And so a lot of it was just making sure guys felt comfortable, like Kyle was saying, and um, just to ensure that, um, you know, guys felt like they, they fit in and were understanding what was going on on and off the court. And so for me, I was just trying to um, build like the foundation of a lot of these relationships and, um, you know, spend time with different guys and, um, whether it was like getting a meal or just going and, and shooting some hoops in the gym. Um, I think just finding different ways, uh, to connect with guys and, um, and yeah, at the end of the day, just, just start out by leading by example, um, both on and off the court. And, um, so yeah, I, I think a lot of it just dealt with, came down to, uh, just figuring out ways that I can connect with each guy and have intentional conversations with them to learn more about them and um, figure out who they are and uh, just kind of imagine what, what the team could look like a few months down the road. In the first half, Coach Tonigal talked about unconscious. And, and let's just finish with this. 
So, so coach sets this vision. We want to be free of self this year. We want to love God and our teammates so much that we're not even focused on ourselves. Uh, what did that word mean to you at the time? And how did you begin to lead in the direction of that word coming to life? Unconscious to me, it means just playing in complete freedom. So that means forgetting about everything else, forgetting about you know the fears, the worries, uh, maybe the expectations you put on yourself, putting those aside and just going out there and, uh, you know, playing for your teammates and just playing to the point where you don't really even think of anything. You're just kind of in the zone. Uh, so that's what it means to me. It's different for every guy, obviously, but that's what it means to me. And um, I felt like I, I really got in that zone at, um, sometimes throughout this, this year and forgot about, you know, trying to be perfectionist or comparing myself, you know, to others and, and just playing, you know, for my teammates and playing for God, you know. Kanan, final word, um, we're going to, throughout this season, be hearing of different times where there were challenges, there were obstacles, but also these powerful moments where our team went to another level and even lived and played in an unconscious way. As you were heading into uh, June, trying to live this word out, trying to lead this team, um, what was the biggest fear you had that would be an obstacle to get in the way of this team being fully unconscious? I think a big fear um, that would get in the way of that is just pride. And I think, I mean, that that's what comes into play with a lot of college sports teams. It's just, um, you know, pride, I think, can sometimes get in the way. And, um, you know, whether it's playing time, whether it's this or that, I think um, as competitors, it's easy to allow that stuff to fill our minds and want to begin to compare ourselves to others and, um, you know, all these um things that that are negative but somehow they just continue to fill our minds so uh, I think early on that was something that I was kind of nervous of and I didn't want any of those things to um, you know take hold of our team this year and um, yeah so so I think every year that's something that was hard but especially this year I, was, I didn't want it to be a culture where um, you know those things would would um, rise uh, pretty frequently so um, I think just figuring out how to combat that, and I think that the, the uh, topic of being unconscious was was huge for that for a lot of our guys. And as we go through the season, we're going to go inside some of the moments. What, where would pride come into play? What would keep us from being free from self? We're excited for you to hear the, the growth the team had in that direction. On the next episode of The Pursuit, in the first half, you'll hear from the coaching staff about how a refocused approach to prayer not only led to greater unity, but also a more specific excitement about what God could do in the lives of the players. In the second half, you'll hear from senior Tanner Rubio on his transition from Jacksonville University to the IW program in the I Am Third culture. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pursuit. If you were challenged to grow from this podcast, please rate or review us on your podcast platform or share with those you know as it helps multiply the impact. If you have a question you would like to ask Hoops on a future episode, hashtag AskIWooHoops or email jeff.clark at indwes.edu. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Hoops. Join us next time right here on The Pursuit. And remember, if you want to be first, First, find a way to be third.